Hi everyone, this is Dr. Gayla. Welcome to your Health Connection. It's great to be with you. This podcast is designed to give you natural solutions to your health problems based upon my 35 years of experience as a functional medicine practitioner. I love helping individuals experiencing complicated conditions when nothing else has worked. Each week I'll be giving you health tips and strategies that you can implement to improve your health and function at your best. Thanks for spending some time with me today. If you're struggling with anxiety or depression, you know firsthand how devastating it can be to your well-being and to your productivity. You've probably been told that it's due to chemical imbalances in your brain and that you need to balance your neurotransmitters by taking medications. Today I will be discussing the functional medicine approach, which is to identify and address the root cause of your anxiety and depression rather than just suppress your symptoms with medications. I'll be going over the possible causes, the best tests to order, some case histories, and the natural medicine that I use in the office to correct these issues. Let's take a look at a few statistics. If you suffer with anxiety or depression, you're not alone. According to a May 2020 U.S. Census Bureau report, one-third of Americans are showing signs of clinical anxiety or depression. That's 34 out of every 100 adults, and there's been a 500% increase, meaning five times more diagnosable mental health problems among young people of high school and college age. A study published in the Journal of Abnormal Psychology found that over the past de- decade, the number of youth with mental health disorders has more than doubled, and the number of two to four-year-olds on psychiatric drugs and antidepressants jumped 50% from 1991 to 1995. And in fact, the largest growth spurt in antidepressant use has been among preschoolers. According to the CDC, Suicide was the leading cause of death reports in 2017. Suicide was the 10th leading cause of death overall in the United States, the second leading cause of death among individuals between the ages of 10 and 34, and the fourth leading cause of death among individuals between the ages of 35 and 54. These statistics are quite startling, and I know this is true because I see so many anxious and depressed adults and children coming into my office. So let's take a look at some of the symptoms you may be experiencing if you have anxiety. Do you experience intense fear? Do you have heart palpitations, sweating, shortness of breath, or dizziness? Do you have trouble falling asleep or staying asleep? Do you have an upset stomach, diarrhea, or constipation? Or do you frequently have muscle tension? And here are a few of the symptoms associated with depression. Do you have little interest or pleasure in doing the things that you once enjoyed? Are you feeling down or hopeless? Do you frequently feel tired or feel like you don't have any energy? If you've identified with several of the symptoms I just mentioned, this episode is for you. Let's take a look at some of the causes. You may have read or been told that depression and anxiety are due to chemical imbalances in your brain or psychological issues. But we now know that anxiety and depression is not just a result of a chemical imbalance in your brain or a mental health issue. Several studies have consistently shown that imbalances in your gut microbiota, or the hundred trillion bugs that live in your gut, coincide with various mental illnesses, including depression and anxiety. There's a strong relationship between having 
mental health problems, and having gastrointestinal symptoms like heartburn, indigestion, acid reflux, bloating, abdominal pain, constipation, and or diarrhea. Not only have many studies across many laboratories shown evidence for brain-gut interactions, but scientists have also categorized specific bacteria as they relate to various states of mental health. In a large population study published in the journal Nature Microbiology, researchers investigated the correlation between microbiome factors and quality of life and depression. Not only did they find a link between the gut microbiome and mental health, but they were able to catalog the exact names of bacteria associated with good and bad quality of life. What has become evident is that patients with psychiatric disorders have different populations of gut microbes compared to microbes in healthy individuals. The findings not only put a name to these probable bacterial culprits, but it also showed that many bacteria can produce substances that interact with your nervous system. Dr. Henry Lin published an article in the Journal of the American Medical Association in which he described the connection between psychological symptoms and IBS, irritable bowel syndrome, or SIBO, known as small intestinal bacterial overgrowth. Signs and symptoms of IBS-SIBO include cramping, abdominal pain, bloating, gas, diarrhea, and or constipation. According to an article published in 2016 in the journal Gastroenterology and Practice, patients with symptoms of IBS or SIBO had higher anxiety and depression. So let's take a look at why millions of people are having gut problems, anxiety, and depression. Cutting-edge research is finding that your gut communicates with your brain and has a powerful influence over both the physical condition of your brain and your emotional and mental function. The current theory of what causes depression and anxiety is called the inflammatory cytokine model and holds that inflammation suppresses the activity of your frontal cortex. This is the front part of your brain that's involved directly or indirectly in the control of almost all of your behavior. The inflammatory cytokine theory states that suppressing the activity of this area of your brain causes the signs and symptoms of depression and anxiety. When you are inflamed, the neurotransmitters that keep you feeling calm, relaxed, and happy are compromised. Brain chemicals such as serotonin, GABA, and dopamine. This can result in feeling anxious, depressed, and at the mercy of stress. So let's look at how problems in your gut can lead to inflammation in your brain. Dr. Michael Gershon of Columbia University has called the gut the second brain. Did you know that your gut actually has a mind of its own? Your gut is the only organ besides your brain that has its own nervous system. We call it the enteric or gut nervous system as opposed to your central nervous system which consists of your brain and spinal cord. Your gut microbes influence how you feel, your emotions and your happiness, your immune system, and control inflammation. The bad bugs produce toxins that are toxic to your brain, and these bugs ferment starches that can produce gas and toxic levels of ammonia. Ammonia is a neurotoxin or nerve toxin that is destructive to your nerve cells. This neurotoxin excites and damages your brain cells. When this community of microbes is balanced, your gut bugs support healthy metabolism, immune function, digestion, 
hormone and neurotransmitter production. The chemicals that affect your moods, such as serotonin, GABA, and dopamine. Your digestive tract communicates with your brain by way of your vagus nerve. 90% of your serotonin production is due to signals that come from microbes or bugs that live in your gut. Serotonin is your feel-good brain chemical. The serotonin cells are sandwiched in between the cells that make up the lining of your gut. One end of the cell sticks into the inside and samples what's going on inside your gut, and the other side has an outgrowth that connects it with your vagus nerve. So this cell that sticks into your gut lining samples everything that's going on in your digestive tract and then produces serotonin through the influence of the microbes that live in your gut. When the cell is activated via digestion, it signals information directly through your vagus nerve into the centers of your brain that have to do with emotional regulation. So let's take a look at how imbalances in your gut microbiome can cause anxiety and depression. Stress, taking antibiotics, or consuming them through conventionally raised dairy products, conventionally raised meats, or farmed fish can cause a decrease in the numbers of beneficial or good bacteria in your gut. When the beneficial or good bacteria are in low numbers or are completely missing, the bad bugs can take over. This is called dysbiosis and can have serious consequences. Gut dysbiosis can be defined as an overgrowth of pathogenic or harmful bacteria, yeasts and or parasites, and too few of your good beneficial probiotic bacteria. Once large colonies of harmful pathogens have taken residence in your gut, your ability to digest and absorb food may be affected which can eventually lead to digestive distress and nutrient deficiencies. Harmful pathogens also have the ability to affect the integrity of your gut lining and can also be a driving factor in the development of leaky gut, a condition in which toxic substances and waste products secreted by pathogens such as viruses, yeasts or bacteria, and undigested food particles can leak through your damaged intestinal wall and into your bloodstream. When this happens, your immune system identifies these particles as foreign and produces inflammatory chemicals that can inflame your brain. As you can imagine, having your brain on fire is not a good thing. So when your brain becomes inflamed, it can cause you to feel anxious, stressed, or depressed. For an in-depth discussion of the causes and tips I have for correcting your gut issues, please listen to my podcast number three, It's called Tips for Addressing Bloating, Belly Pain, Chronic Constipation, and Diarrhea. I mentioned earlier that your vagus nerve fibers are connected to the cells in your gut lining and use these cells to collect information on what's going on in your gut. They transfer this information to your brain through your vagus nerve so it can make important decisions about your digestion. By doing so, your vagus nerve participates in motility, or the movement of food through your GI tract, the secretion of digestive substances, and lets you know if you feel hungry. or. Let's take a look at how that interaction can affect your emotional health. Did you ever experience butterflies or a knot in your stomach before sitting down to take a test or meeting someone for the first time? This is an example of how your feelings can affect your gut and shows that your brain and gut are connected. You can have a nervous stomach because of stressful thoughts and feelings. You can also have a nervous brain because of problems in your gut. 
It's kind of like a two-way street. Science is beginning to show us how this is possible. We know that stress negatively affects your digestive system in many ways. Let's take a look at how stress affects your gut and emotional health. I mentioned earlier that 95% of your serotonin is made in your gut. The nerve cells in your gut also produce about 50 to 70% of your dopamine and GABA. GABA is a neurotransmitter that slows your brain activity and increases relaxation, reduces stress, calms your nerves, promotes peristalsis, and balances your mood. Dopamine increases your mental alertness, keeps you motivated, and elevates your mood. When you have gut imbalance, also called dysbiosis, this may negatively affect the production of your neurotransmitters, the feel-good brain chemicals. Stress can lead to changes in both the numbers and types of bacteria in your gut. It can cause a decrease in blood and oxygen flow to your stomach and can cause inflammation and neurotransmitter imbalance. When your gut immune system speaks to your brain through your vagus nerve, it can send messages of inflammation that lead to the release of stress hormones, the hormones cortisol and adrenaline. Your digestive system is sensitive to emotion, including anger, anxiety, and sadness. Here's an example. Let's say you're driving on the freeway and someone cuts you off. You may have the thought, that guy's going to cause an accident. We know that our thoughts create our feelings. So when you have the thought, oh, I might have an accident, you will very likely experience the feeling of fear. Once you experience the emotion or feeling of fear, your adrenal glands produce fight-or-flight hormones, cortisol and adrenaline, because your body thinks it's in danger. Your body doesn't know if this is a tiger chasing you or if it's just someone on the freeway driving like a maniac. The production of the fight-or-flight hormones, adrenaline and cortisol, will shut down your digestive system and inhibit the activity of your vagus nerve. You don't need to be digesting your food when your body believes it's being chased by a tiger. It diverts your blood to your muscles so you can run away from the threat. When your vagus nerve is inhibited by stress, it can't control the permeability of your gut lining or what is allowed to pass through your gut and into your blood. The lining of your gut is like a wall that has tiny spaces between the blocks. Your proteins, fats, and carbohydrates are broken down into tiny molecules that then pass through these tiny openings into your bloodstream. If the spaces between the blocks become too large, undigested food particles and toxins can then move into your bloodstream, some of which can pass through your blood-brain barrier that's supposed to protect your brain from pathogens and infections. This is called intestinal permeability or leaky gut. When large molecules pass through your intestine into your bloodstream, your immune system sees these particles as foreign and sends out a signal to your body that it's been invaded. This signal causes the release of inflammatory chemicals such as cytokines, histamines, and other chemicals that cause inflammation in your body. Toxins from bad or pathogenic bacteria are called lipopolysaccharides, or LPS, or also known as endotoxins. When these endotoxins escape through your leaky gut, your body produces cytokines, the chemical messengers that create inflammation. Too many cytokines can harm your brain cells and imbalance your neurotransmitters. Endotoxins can also turn your immune system or immune cells into overdrive. Immune cells that normally act as cleanup crews 
can get overexcited and can attack your healthy brain cells. This reaction has a measurable effect on your brain and body. Studies on human subjects have shown that within hours of administering bacterial endotoxins to human study participants, depression and fatigue increase and social interest goes down significantly. A a study published in The Lancet revealed that people depressed for more than 10 years showed 30% more inflammation than compared to people depressed for a less uh, period of time. Researchers have also found that people who experience major depressive disorders have high levels of inflammation and high cytokine levels in their blood. You can see the process of inflammation take place when you cut your hand. It becomes red, swollen, and it's painful. This is a result of inflammatory chemicals being released to start the process of healing. A problem arises when when inflammatory chemicals are being released over a long period of time called chronic release. Cytokines travel in your blood and can increase the permeability of your blood-brain barrier and can influence your brain function, leading to anxiety and depression. If you have inflammation in your digestive tract, it's going to have an effect on your brain. When inflammation in your gut sets off red flags, chemical messengers called cytokines, your body uses enzymes to shift your tryptophan the amino acid that your body uses to make serotonin, from the serotonin pathway to a different pathway, and tryptophan that would otherwise become serotonin is taken out of the normal pathway. Individuals who experience a traumatic brain injury within 36 to 72 hours have signs of intestinal inflammation and digestive tract permeability. The inflammation within the brain causes damage to the neurons, resulting in loss of signaling from the vagus nerve to the digestive tract. This leads to intestinal permeability, which initiates the inflammatory process. Once the inflammatory process turns on, it promotes itself. Inflammation turns on inflammatory reactions, creating its own vicious cycle. In one study, researchers found that when depressive symptoms resolved, the signs of inflammation also decreased to normal levels. In another study, researchers measured C-reactive protein levels in over 1,000 women for several years. C-reactive protein is a blood test marker for inflammation. They found that increases in C-reactive protein triggered the onset of depression. When inflammation was triggered, depression was triggered. And when inflammation is created in healthy people, they develop depressive symptoms. We now know that the billions of good bacteria in your gut's microbiome limit inflammation and protect your intestinal lining. Let's look at a case history. I had a 21-year-old female come into my office in September of 2019, suffering with anxiety. She felt stressed. She'd wake up tired in the morning and experience low energy throughout the day. She had migraines once a week. She often skipped her periods, had ovarian cysts, had uh, growth of hair on her chin and neck, and experienced heavy and painful periods when she did have periods. She also felt bloated all day and had gas and diarrhea. She'd gained 20 pounds over the past two years, and she could not lose the weight. The results of her dried urine hormone test revealed very high levels of cortisol and DHEA, as well as high levels of estrogen, low levels of progesterone, 
and high levels of testosterone and DHT, the form of testosterone that's toxic. She had symptoms of something called PCOS or polycystic ovarian syndrome. Her DNA stool test revealed high levels of dysbiotic bacteria, and her blood test revealed a high level of glucose, so she had insulin resistance. Her food allergy test revealed several food allergens. I first recommended an anti-inflammatory, allergy-free diet. I also recommended a product for anxiety that contained L-theanine, phosphatidylserine, bacopa, ashwagandha, rhodiola, and alethro group. I also recommended natural plant-based progesterone oil to elevate her low levels of progesterone. I gave her a vitamin and herbal support to support her hormone metabolism and adrenal response. I recommended glutathione to address her insulin resistance and help lower her high levels of blood sugar and increase her fat burning. I recommended a serum-based colostrum and a probiotic called Saccharomyces boulardii and a soil-based probiotic to address her diarrhea and a product to kill the dysbiotic bacteria in her gut called an antimicrobial. She went off to college and I received the following email from her in early November after only two months on the program. Quote, my diet has been great and I feel good. I've lost 20 pounds since our first appointment. My energy levels are great and my period has been regular. My diarrhea has stopped and my bloating is gone. She came back in December when she was home for Christmas break and reported the following. I've had a regular period every month. My gut feels great. I no longer have loose stools or bloating and my anxiety is gone. The next causative factor I'd like to discuss is how our dietary choices impact our anxiety and depression. An article published in the November 2019 issue of the European College of Neuropsychopharmacology stated, while the determining factors of mental health are complex, increasing evidence indicates a strong association between a poor diet and the exacerbation of mood disorders, including anxiety and depression, as well as other neuropsychiatric conditions. A growing body of research is discovering that food doesn't just affect your waistline, but also affects your moods, emotions, and conditions like anxiety and depression. A randomized controlled trial published in the journal of PLOS1, PLOS1, in October 2019 found that symptoms of depression dropped significantly among a group of young adults after they followed a Mediterranean-style pattern of eating for only three weeks. Participants saw their depression score fall from the moderate range down to the normal range, and they reported lower levels of anxiety and stress. This recent study adds to a growing body of research that supports the connection between diet and your mental health. We have a highly consistent and extensive evidence base from around the globe linking healthier diets to reduce depression risks says Felice Jacks, a professor of nutritional and epidemiological psychiatry at Deakin University in Australia. For example, a 2013 meta-analysis of 22 previously published studies showed that the Mediterranean diet was associated with a lower risk of depression. Similarly, a 2017 study found that a diet rich in fruit, whole grains, vegetables, fish, and olive oil was associated with a lower risk of depression whereas a diet rich in greater amounts of red meat, refined or processed grains, sweets, 
and a high-fat dairy product diet was linked to a higher risk of depression. A 2014 systematic review of the relationship between diet and mental health in children and adolescents found that higher intakes of food with saturated fat, refined carbohydrates, and processed food products were associated with poorer mental health. One simple thing to examine in sugar consumption, it's now known that diets high in refined sugars make insulin regulation more difficult and harm your brain. By promoting inflammation and oxidative stress, a 2015 article published by the Harvard Medical School noted that multiple studies have shown a correlation between a diet high in refined sugars and impaired brain function and a worsening of symptoms or mood disorders such as depression. A Mediterranean diet rich in whole grains, legumes, and seafood, as well as nutrient-dense leafy vegetables that are high in fiber, promotes a diverse population of the helpful bacteria in your gut, and research suggests that a healthy gut microbiome may be important in the processing of neurotransmitters like serotonin that regulate mood. We also know that eating the standard American diet, which is low in fiber and nutrients, and is high in sugar, hydrogenated oils, saturated fats, antibiotics, additives, chemicals, and pesticides, can destroy the balance in your gut flora. If you'd like to know what has happened to our food supply in the United States, I recommend listening to a talk given by Robin O'Brien. That's R-O-B-Y-N, O'Brien. You can find it on YouTube. It's a very well-referenced TED Talk, and she talks about how we have ruined our food supply in the United States over the past 25 years. I truly believe that the introduction of antibiotics, GMO, glyphosates, pesticides, food additives, and chemicals to our food supply is why we've seen such a massive increase in anxiety and depression in our population. So let's now take a look at the effect that some medications can have on your gut. We know that anti-inflammatory painkillers are known to disrupt the balance of bacteria and break down the lining of your gut. Anti-inflammatory medications include aspirin, Aleve, Advil, over-the-counter what are called non-steroidal anti-inflammatories. I'd like to go over a fascinating case history regarding the effects of a child who was given ibuprofen and developed severe joint pain and anxiety. This is the story of a young patient who was seen by Dr. Mark Hyman, MD. He he, uh, recites, Sarah, a five-year-old girl, was brought to us as a patient by her mom. She came in for the treatment of severe pain and swelling in multiple joints, including her ankles, elbows, and fingers. Walking was painful, as was drawing, one of her favorite activities. Her mom And teachers also noticed that she changed from a playful, vibrant five-year-old to an anxious child. Sarah had been in perfect health until about a year before she came in, at which time she developed a bad cold with fever that persisted on and off for about a week. The pediatrician instructed Sarah's mom to uh, alternate giving Sarah ibuprofen and Tylenol around the clock to help with the discomfort of fever and to bring it down. This is standard fare in pediatric care. Doctors are taught that ibuprofen, a drug in the family of non-steroid anti-inflammatory drugs, can cause gastritis. In our training, we learned that it can lead to stomach ulcers that in extreme, in extreme cases can result in upper gastrointestinal bleeding 
and the need for surgery and blood transfusions. Generally, we are taught that this is uncommon and only occurs with prolonged use in high doses. However, what serious pediatrician didn't know, and in fact what most doctors don't learn in their medical training, is that even short-term use in regular doses can lead to gut damage and negative health consequences, and not just in kids, in all of us. Many scientific studies conducted over the past two decades show a correlation between non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drug use and leaky gut syndrome. According to a study by the National Institutes of Health, all the conventional non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drugs studied were equally associated with small intestinal inflammation. Another study concluded non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drugs are thus shown to disrupt intestinal integrity and long-term treatment leads to inflammation of the small intestine. In this young patient's case, long-term use was just over a week. Why is leaky gut bad? As we mentioned earlier, because toxic bacteria and food proteins leak into your bloodstream, triggering inflammation that can lead to allergies, anxiety, depression, even autoimmune diseases. Not only that, inflammation can affect your brain and nervous system, causing anxiety, as happened to this little patient, depression, irritability, and mood swings. And if you have gluten sensitivity, Ibuprofen and other non-steroidal anti-inflammatories might not be your best option because they can make it worse. Most often, non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drugs do not treat the root cause of the pain. They only treat the symptoms. In functional medicine, we treat the underlying causes of your health problems. In little Sarah's case, her doctors quickly went to work healing her gut in order to treat what now had become arthritis in her joints constant stomach pain, and anxiety. They removed all gluten and dairy from her diet because with leaky gut and inflammation, common triggers for many people, even for those who weren't previously sensitive. They then added in a few supplements and began to heal the gastritis, the inflammation in her stomach and her leaky gut. In just a couple of short months, Sarah was off all her antacid medications. She became a joint-free Uh, anxiety-free little girl. Now let's take a look at the tests you should run if you have anxiety and depression. First, we must always test, not guess. These are the tests that I recommend. First, I almost always recommend a DNA stool test to identify the underlying causes of your gastrointestinal issues, such as irritable bowel, small intestinal bacterial overgrowth, intestinal permeability, and food allergies. I frequently order what's called a Dutch or dried urine hormone test that evaluates all of your sex hormones and your cortisol levels. Hormonal factors in depression include low or excess levels of estrogen, low levels of progesterone, low levels of testosterone, elevated or low cortisol, and low levels of melatonin. I always recommend plant-based natural hormones and herbals to balance your hormones. I also order the following blood tests. I order a complete blood count to check for vitamin B12, folic acid, ferritin, or iron, uh, C-reactive protein, which is a marker of inflammation. I always like to look at magnesium levels and cholesterol because low cholesterol has been associated with suicide attempts. In a 2008 study published in the Journal of Clinical Psychiatry, 
it showed that low serum cholesterol might be associated with suicide. Vitamin D levels are also important to evaluate. Studies have shown a link between vitamin D deficiency and depression. Researchers behind a 2013 article in the British Journal of Psychiatry noticed that study participants with depression also had low levels of vitamin D. The same analysis found statistically that people with low vitamin D levels were at a much greater risk of depression. I also look, do a thyroid panel that includes uh, TSH or thyroid stimulating hormone, free T4, T3 uptake, TPO and thyroid antibodies. Low thyroid, uh, one of the first symptoms we find with patients who have low thyroid is depression. And if you have hyperthyroid, you could have anxiety symptoms. I also order food allergy tests because partially digested dairy and wheat particles are commonly found in the urine of severely depressed patients. I also frequently recommend heavy metal testing. In 2007, the World Health Organization stated that heavy metals accumulated in the environment are associated with a wide range of conditions, including developmental and neurobehavioral disorders. The heavy metals in the environment that are most commonly found to be linked to anxiety and depression include mercury, lead, cadmium, arsenic, and copper. Copper overload has become increasingly common due in part to the widespread of oral contraceptives containing estrogen, our exposure to xenoestrogens, chemical compounds that mimic estrogen found in plastics and petrochemicals, and growth hormones fed to animals, as well as copper fungicides and the widespread zinc deficiency secondary to malabsorption related to compromised gut health. When copper levels are high, more adrenaline is synthesized from dopamine, which can cause feelings of agitation, anxiety, and panic, overstimulation, racing thoughts, restlessness, and insomnia. Wrap it up by looking at some solutions. The first thing I always recommend is following an anti-inflammatory diet and avoiding any allergens that you know you have sensitivity to. I recommend that 50 to 70% of your plate should be filled with organic vegetables. Eat from the rainbow. Choose lots of vegetables that include lots of different colors. I also recommend eating wild-caught fish, grass-fed meats and poultry, organic nuts, seeds, nut milks, and nut and seed butters. I also recommend eating or consuming healthy oils including olive, avocado, macadamia, and sesame, and low-sugar fruits, especially lots of organic berries. If you have symptoms of SIBO or small intestinal bacterial overgrowth, gas, bloating, constipation, or diarrhea, I recommend Googling low FODMAP, F-O-D-M-A-P, low FODMAP diet, and exclude foods that are high in FODMAPs, which exacerbate or make SIBO problems worse. Second, it's very important to identify any pathogens through a DNA stool test and then fix your gut by killing the pathogens, taking the proper probiotics at the proper time, and then sealing your gut lining. I also recommend listening to my podcasts number two and three. They're both on gut health. Number three, it's very important to address your adrenal function. If you have symptoms of high cortisol and anxiety, or you have symptoms of depression, it's very important to assess and treat your adrenals. Let's look at another case history. I had a 24-year-old patient come in in December of 2019, suffering with severe anxiety. 
She'd had a racing heart and shortness of breath. Her heart rate went from 60 to 185 and then dropped down to 46 and then shot back up to 186. She was having severe palpitations. So she went to the emergency room because she thought she was having a heart attack. She was diagnosed with panic attacks. She was very stressed as a result of working full-time, going to school at night, trying to get her master's degree, changing apartments, and other challenges in her life. I'd seen her as a patient during the spring and summer of 2019 and addressed her allergies, eczema, bloating, diarrhea, headaches, and weight gain. By the end of July, she no longer had headaches, diarrhea, or eczema, and she was running seven miles. For the acute problem that she came in for in December, uh, because she was experienced with panic attacks, I recommended a product for anxiety that contains the following, and within a day, her anxiety and palpitations resolved. The product I recommend contains the following, L-theanine, which is to increase serotonin and dopamine production and increases relaxation, phosphatidylserine to reduce stress-induced excretion of cortisol, bacopa, which is an herb that's been shown to have positive effects on mood function at the serotonin receptor, ashwagandha, which helps to improve the stress response, rhodiola, supports mood regulation and mental clarity. Also, if you have symptoms of low cortisol and depression, I recommend taking a product that contains holy basil, ashwagandha, adrenal concentrate to help rejuvenate the adrenal gland stress system, and rhodiola and also licorice root to help maintain normal cortisol levels. If you'd like to know the names of the products I recommend in the office or have a one-on-one -on -one consultation with me, please visit my website, drgala.com. That's D-R-G-A-I-L-A.com. I list the products on my podcast page. Other nutrients that are important if you have anxiety or depression include EPA, DHA, omega-3 fatty acids. Healthy fats help to stabilize your blood sugar so your brain can have a steady supply of glucose that's not too high or too low. Excessive consumption of omega-6 fatty acids, eating lots of vegetable oils, processed vegetable oils, and many grains can interfere with the absorption of your good omega-3 fats. Many studies point to the power of omega-3 fatty acids in your diet to improve symptoms of anxiety and depression and even play a role in the prevention of suicide. Fat helps neurotransmitters move rapidly from one neuron to another neuron. Healthy omega-3s and good omega-6s play a vital role in reducing neuroinflammation and anxiety. You're also gonna to wanna to take a B vitamin complex to help boost your energy levels, promote emotional stability, and sharpen your mental focus. Stress and anxiety deplete your B vitamins, over time, this impairs your ability to have healthy response to stress, stressful, tr stressful triggers. Vitamin B6 is involved in the produ production of many of your neurotransmitters, including serotonin, which controls your moods and sleep, and dopamine, which is involved in pleasure, reward, and satisfaction. I also recommend magnesium. I'd say probably 70% of Americans are low in magnesium. A 2017 review looked at 18 different studies that found that magnesium reduced anxiety. These studies looked at mild anxiety, anxiety during PMS, postpartum anxiety, and generalized anxiety. According to this review, one of the reasons why magnesium might help reduce anxiety is that it may improve brain function. 
Research shows that magnesium plays an important role in regulating neurotransmitters, which send messages throughout the brain and body. Also, vitamin D. We definitely see a lot more depression when patients have low vitamin D levels. And vitamin C. A randomized, double-blind, placebo-controlled study of 42 high school students found that oral supplementation of vitamin C reduced their anxiety levels. It's also essential for the production of serotonin. Another important mineral is zinc. Clinical studies have shown that low levels of zinc contribute to the symptoms of depression and anxiety, and it's also very important to seal the lining of your gut. 5-HTP or 5-hydroxytryptophan can also be helpful with both depression and anxiety. A 2002 research study found that taking 5-HTP reduced anxiety and panic in people with panic disorders. Several studies have found that doses of 150 to 300 doses or milligrams daily for two to four weeks can improve symptoms of depression. Some early research shows that 5-HTP might be beneficial, as beneficial as conventional antidepressant therapy for some people. And the last one is taurine. This is an amino acid that helps by slowing down the release of adrenaline, and it protects you from the fight-or-flight response and post-stress anxiety. I also recommend resistance training. <clears throat> I love working out. A study published in the June issue of JAMA Psychiatry concluded that after examining the results of 33 randomized clinical trials involving more than 1,800 people, that people with mild to moderate depression who performed resistance training two or more days a week saw a significant reduction in their symptoms compared with people who did not. The findings also suggested that resistance exercises may be even more beneficial for those with more severe depressive symptoms. For a great explanation of how our minds work and how to relax and kind of help reduce that you know, noise or constant noise in your head, I recommend Googling or listening to talks about what's called The Three Principles. That's The Three Principles. To wrap things up, if you have anxiety or depression, it's always best to test, not guess. I recommend starting out by doing a dried urine hormone test, a DNA stool test, an allergy test, and a comprehensive blood test. If you'd like to see the names of the products that we use in the office, please go to drgala.com, that's D-R-G-A-I-L-A.com, and click on the title bar, Podcast. I list all the products there. Thanks so much for listening.